Hello there, it's Linda Pinizzato. I'm speaking to you from the Hayes FM, and uh, we're going to be talking about condominiums. So you are listening to The Condo Expert. In the last uh, two weeks, I've been contacting uh, different sources just around the province to get a little bit of an idea of how many more difficulties there are within different cities. And I'm just absolutely amazed at the fact that you cannot, if you took 10 condominium owners out of the 10, I will guarantee you that at least one is having some degree of difficulty. And out of those 10, I would almost guarantee that maybe only five out of 10 truly understand what condominiums are all about. Now, 10 out of 10 may very well love their living environment. They love their condominium building. They love their unit. And this is not about whether or not you don't like what you're living in. It has to do with proper governance just to make sure that in the future you have built equity with your property, that you're not spending money on things that should not be charged to your condominium. So in other words, to make sure that the board of directors that you put your trust into, that you felt were going to do the best interest of the corporation, that you probably voted on, believing that everything would be fine and wonderful and the corporation, which is your condo building and everything around the condo building, would actually be governed so that you are protected because nowhere in your dreams did you ever believe that you weren't. And interesting enough, that theory is not only today in 2013, but that theory is actually goes all the way back, you know, to 1967. Because anyone that purchased a condominium, whether it be a condominium apartment, whether it's a condominium townhouse, and, you know, and by the way, for your information, there actually is five different types of condominiums. They're not just the standard types that you see on a day-to-day basis. There are a number of different styles of condominiums out there as well. But the interesting part about this whole picture today, as the government of the province of Ontario and the Ministry of Consumer Services move forward towards creating a what they call a better condo act, you got to step back and think, okay, we're going to create a better condo act. What is going to make it better? What is it that all the condo owners right now need to stop for a moment and reflect on their buildings? This is your opportunity. So take a look and think about things. You know, think about the time that you actually bought your unit. How much did you know? Let's break it down. You know, there was somewhere along the way you said, hey, you know what? I want to buy a condominium. And the reason I do is because you want to downsize. Maybe you're a first-time home buyer. Maybe, you know, it's all about affordability, of course. Maybe it's an easier lifestyle. You know, maybe it's your stepping stone to move forward on something else as you, you know, grow older or maybe, you know, being a single person, maybe you've decided you just want that lifestyle until eventually when you step forward into an actual detached or semi-detached home. Whatever the reasons are, those are your personal reasons. And that was why you made that decision to buy into a condominium. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's fantastic to have home ownership. It's your beginning. You know, if there's one person that endorses home ownership is myself. Uh, You know, I've sold real estate since 1979. 
and I used to work at Atomic Energy. And, and then one day I decided that, you know, I really did not want to stay in the corporate world. I was actually their engineering liaison for AECL right here in Mississauga. And I made the decision that, you know, I really, really enjoy real estate. I found it fascinating. And <laughs> uh, funny enough, in high school, boy, I hated, oh, geez, did I ever hate history? I couldn't stand history. I was lucky to make a pass, getting a passing mark. I think I, I like got 52% four years straight. It was awesome. <laughs> but it got me through it. But that was it. But now mathematics, mathematics was insane. I, I mean, I would hit the 98% on math only because... I had a very analytical, mathematical mind. And when real estate came to the forefront to me in 79, I decided that I was going to step into it full force. I remember my first deal, it was a double ender. I sold it and I listed it. It was the same property. And then I said goodbye, gave my walking papers to uh, Atomic Energy. I left and I said, okay, I'm going into real estate full time. And I never looked back. The reason I'm mentioning this is because back in 1979 to 2013, we've had a tremendous amount of changes in our real estate world, a tremendous amount, and in values and equity and structures and, you know, how financing comes forward and, you know, all of these type of things. I mean, back at those times, you couldn't even get a high ratio mortgage. I mean, you could not, you had to have at least 25% down payment in order for you to buy a property. And it didn't really matter what you bought. You had to have 25% down. And if you didn't have 25%, the only alternative was something called a VTB, a vendor take back on a mortgage. That would mean that the owners would have to agree to hold a mortgage for you. So you would have a first mortgage by a conventional bank and you'd have a second mortgage, which was a vendor take back, and they would have hold the mortgage. Now, the problem was, of course, is that if the people required all their monies out of the sale, they couldn't hold a mortgage because maybe they had to go on to buy another place. Well, chances are back at that time, when they bought another place, those people in the other place would have to have a vendor take back as well. Well, lo and behold, our provincial government stepped forward and the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation came about. And when they opened the door to what is a high ratio mortgage that you could buy with less than 25% down and then less than 20% down, okay, which is what it is today, is becomes a high ratio mortgage. And the reason that high ratio mortgages, and whether they're being held by Canada Mortgage and Housing or whether it's a corporation called Genworth, it created affordability. And by creating affordability with a less of a down payment, it opened up a stronger market in the condominium market because now people could have a stepping stone to get into the housing market because, of course, condominiums started a little bit lesser in value. But the interesting part about it was in 1981, uh, we had a, a crazy market. I mean, you know, there was 21 and three quarter percent interest rates back in 1981. I mean, people would be shocked if they listened to that today. And at that time, GICs, they were the same. They were 21, three quarter percent interest rates. And we had a housing boom and it only lasted about six or seven months. And, and then it carried forward and things were fine. You know, eventually the rates started to decline down to maybe around, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 percent. 
I remember in 1987, we had a crazy boom. Our market was just going nuts. Uh, I had a typewriter <laughs> in the trunk of my car. I mean, we're going back to before there was computers. We couldn't go into an MLS system. We couldn't go into realtor.ca. The public had to depend on what the realtors were telling them in order for them to understand the real estate market and get an idea on value. But that's not the way it is today. Today, we've got computers. We've got social media. We've got so much interconnections going on that knowledge is at your fingertips today. And it doesn't take anybody very much time at all is to step back and actually learn about a number of things. And that now, if you're a condominium owner, you should be taking advantage of this. Like take advantage of it. The Condo Owners Association, uh, www.coaontario.com has just had an amazing revamp of the website. And on the top left-hand side, there's a category called condo information. And this section of the website will give you everything that you need to start to learn. It will tell you, it'll give you an overview with PowerPoints of what COA is all about. It will also give you recommended changes that the Condo Owners Association has submitted to the Ministry of Consumer Services. The recommendations, the draft plan, you know, a lot of the content has to do with where the concerns on and how to create a better condo act. Even though they've gone through the policy forum and we're doing the condo act review, not everything is at the forefront if the Condo Owners Association isn't submitting important information that cannot be overlooked because it's all about you. It's about you. It's about protecting the consumer. So that section of the website also goes into buying a condo, whether it's a new construction, you know, from a builder and you need to know everything that you should with respect to what to watch out for or whether or not it's a resale condominium purchase. So you can get information. You can also get information on how maintenance fees affects your value and low reserve funds will affect your value. And what is a reserve fund? You may not even know that. So I do draw your attention to the condo information section of coaontario.com. Because as I said, I can back up now and we can look back at 1987 before the housing boom just took off. And at that time, you know, it was, it was very limited with how much information was ideally available for the general public. So moving forward in 1990, you know, all of a sudden our market had a tremendous cat crash and it took about four to five years for things to sort of come back to play again. And by about 1995, maybe 1998, all of a sudden there started to be a lot of communication going back and forth about condominium buildings. By 1999, a whole slew of condos were on the books in the planning department, the building departments, in order for condominiums to take a massive approach into the marketplace. And those same condominiums were erected, built, completed, and ready for new condo owners to move in by 2000 to 2001. We're going to talk more about condominiums and the history and how everything has exploded in our province. When did it happen? How did it happen? And why did it happen? So... You're listening to Linda Pinizzato of the Condo Expert on the Hayes FM. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be right back, so please don't go away. And welcome back. This is Linda Pinizzato of the Condo Expert on the Hayes FM. 
We're talking about the history of, indirectly, a little bit of history of real estate from 1979 moving forward. Yes, I've been around in real estate since that time, and I'm very happy to say that I'm really good at it now. <laughs> anyway, you know, it's really interesting. There's a book out there. It's called The Present. I love it. Love it. It's a very, very small book. And you can just go pick it up at any chapters or wherever you want to pick it up from. And it's amazing. It basically reflects on experiences that you've had in the past. And you've learned from those experiences and you've brought them into the present. And of course, you've decided to bring in things that you really should be doing as opposed to things that maybe weren't the best experiences. But the other thing is this planning for the future. So learning everything that you have done that you're presently doing and reflect on it all to make it better and have a direction for yourself for the future. So I think that the bottom line about this whole book is awesome. Like you've got to read into the story. And believe me, it'll make you think twice when you're doing certain things. So we're talking about real estate that's moved into the present times now. And we're talking about condominiums. So interesting enough, I left off with 2000, 2001. And in 2001, there were so many new construction sites. I remember when they launched 363 Front Street down in downtown Toronto. It was amazing. I mean, they sold that entire building overnight. You know that people, it wasn't like being on Boxing Day. I mean, it was a Boxing Day of condominiums. People were actually camping outside. It was an ADEX Concord site and now called City Place. And what they did was they actually were sleeping outside about two nights prior to the actual doors opened up. And at the time, you only had to put $500 as a down payment. And that building, like I said, it sold overnight. And it was interesting too, because it was actually a circular, it's a circular building and it's pretty much, you know, I would probably guess at least 90% of it's made out of glass. And, you know, it's a nice complex. It's interesting because some of the rooms are somewhat unique because of course it is circular. So you don't really have any corners or anything within a lot of your rooms. But the interesting part about this whole picture was, is that they developed something called an assignment back at that time. So whoever came in and purchased, they knew that the minute they purchased, that number one, they would have to deal with a specific real estate office, which was actually part of the whole development scene. If they decided that they weren't going to keep their condo and they wanted to actually sell the contract. So what an assignment is, is that when you're not keeping the product that you've purchased and you're literally assigning your paperwork on to someone else, because you're not an owner, you're just somebody who has put a deposit down and an assignment can happen on either, it doesn't matter. I mean, assignment can happen either on a condominium, it can hand, happen on a uh, commercial property, it can happen on a semi-detached or a detached. I mean, it can happen on any property really. Provided that the contract agrees that you are able to assign the property. Now, in this situation, what had happened was in 2001, when these sites, when people came in and purchased these sites on assignment, with their deposit, they also had to give down a series of down payments. So whatever the down payment series was, I mean, back at that time, believe it or not, they only, a lot of these sales went down at 10% down. I know a lot of the builders nowadays want 20 and 25%. But back in 2000, 1999, 2000, 2001, the down payment structure was a lot less. So as the building was finished and completed, of course, you know, you had to put in more of your down payment until you get to the time when you actually have to occupy the unit. 
So if anyone decided that they wanted to exercise their right for the assignment, number one, they cannot put the property on the real estate market because they don't own it. They're not an owner. All they are is someone who has secured a contract with the fact that they've put a down payment on a particular unit. So they cannot put it on the MLS system. The other thing they can't do at that time, it was is that they wouldn't be able to rent them out. Because again, it's assignment, so you have to go through the stages. But what the developer did do at that time is he allowed people to transfer the assignment paperwork. So as long as the new buyer that came in that bought the contract was able to come up with the amount of the deposit. So if the deposit was $10,000 or $20,000 or $30,000, whatever it would be, they would have to come up with that exact same money. So therefore, the contract from the original buyer would transfer over to the contract of the new buyer that lets the original buyer off the hook and the new buyer is going to continue on. That would be an advantage to the new buyer, you know, because moving forward now, I mean, he's right in the thick of things from day one, so he'd have to go through the occupancy. But it's a much bigger advantage to the previous buyer because if he purchased the property for the sake of an investment or whatever the case may be, he actually, at that particular time, would be able to not have to go through the, the costs involved with closing the transaction. Because literally, he's come away from the whole contract. He's gotten the money. He's now gotten whatever the profits would have been from the time that the builder sold it to him until the time that he then sold it or actually sold the assignment clause paperwork over to the second. So he had some profits involved in there. And funny enough, when that came down with that complex, I saw a few other complexes that uh, actually were under construction between, you know, literally from 2000 till about 2002, 2003, 2004, up to about 2005. But I didn't really see a whole lot of assignment privileges. But then somewhere along the way, there was a transitional change. And even though we do have a condo act, what happened was in 2003, some concerns came forward with our provincial government with respect to short-term rentals. Now, at the time, they didn't call it short-term. They actually called it transient. In the last week, I actually went back into all of our uh, different ministry files, you know, like anything to do with uh, changes, uh, bills, something that would actually affect, you know, the Condominium Act and any histories like private members' bills that might have been put on the table. And I was very, very shocked to find out that in 2003, the transient tenancy under 37.4 Bill 78, which was actually introduced at the time from MPP George Smitherman, had its first reading in June 3rd of 2003. And a concern was brought forward at that time with respect to short-term rentals and transient circumstances. I think the forefront was to take a look. If you want to see this information, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, just go into coaontario.com and you'll actually see the uh, transcript from the reading. And you can read step-by-step step everything that happened at that time. And, and I think it's really important to take a look at this because there is a concern out there with the short-term rentals. 
the very, very sad thing about this transcript is, is after I read through it, and I mean, you know, involved in it at the time, all the information that came through here, I mean, I'm looking, there was questions that, oral questions that came on the table. And the sad thing about it was, is that the minister, the government did identify that there is a problem with the short-term transient tenancy. However, no sooner did they find out that there is a problem, the ruling that came down said that as long as the builder, the, the builder states the transient or puts it into the uh, paperwork, the declarations, which are actually sent, given to purchasers of new construction, then they were okay to leave it in there. <clears throat> so I'm a little bit surprised about that. I was actually very surprised about that. A lot of new information that's coming to the table, but that in particular, the reason I'm mentioning it is because these short-term rentals nowadays, there's a lot of ind independent people that are going out and they're buying a condominium, they're furnishing it, and then what they're doing is is that they're putting it on websites out there and they're making it as a short-term rental so someone can come in for the weekend and they can come in and rent the property for one or two or three days. And, you know, that type of thing is really going to hurt uh, not only our housing industry, but it's also going to hurt the restaurant and hotel industry. So the, to now find out that it actually was on the table with a private member's bill back in 2003, I have to say that that's really taken. And, and I only found this out by mistake because what happened was is I was actually looking to see the private member's bill for the Condominium Act and concerns on uh, Rosero Marchese, MPP for Trinidad Spadina, numerous times had put forward a private member's bill and this was well before the McGuinty government in June of 2012 stepped in to announce the building of the condo of a new condo act and making changes and opening up that whole forum. So, you know, there's been a lot of things that have transpired from the past until the present. And I think, again, you know, when I go back to that book, there's a lot of things that we have to learn from the past and bring them forward because the future of condominiums is at stake with this whole review. The review has to be meant and put forward for consumer protection. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato, the condo expert at the Hayes FM. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Hayes FM. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato of the condo expert. Today's uh, discussions having to do with giving you some extra knowledge about condominiums. Do you ever sit back and wonder, you know, close your eyes, envision even downtown Mississauga or envision downtown Toronto and try to reflect back 2005. What did you see? I'll tell you what you saw then and what you see today is like night and day. You know, we have a wonderful province. We really do. We have a tremendous amount of multiculturalism. You know, we open our doors to new people coming into our country. We're embracing, you know, it was funny. I was just speaking to someone about different foods. I love Jamaican food. Love it. Aki and saltfish. Just love it. Amazing. Used to be pizza, but that's down, gone down the hill now. So that's where I'm at. And, you know, just going around to different restaurants and seeing the multiculturalism we have with all the different things that are available to us are, is just fabulous. You know, I mean, shawarmas. I remember when you could only, you'd have to drive like 30, 40 minutes to get to a place that would sell shawarmas. Now you've got them about every two or three miles apart. It's awesome. They're great. And they're healthy. That's, that's the key thing. They're very healthy. 
So we've embraced multiculturalism, and as people come into the country, it's really difficult for them to just find themselves into a big, you know, two-story solid brick double-car garage home. They have to go through the process, and the process means affordable housing that has to be at the doorstep, and also condominiums because it is the beginning marketplace of the real estate market. So that's why we've had a tremendous amount of growth And we're going to continue to see growth. There's no question about that. And with the growth, we want to make sure that we can all survive and we cannot have the same kind of crash situation that I mentioned that actually happened, uh, you know, back in 1987. And I was in there. I was selling real estate at the time. I can give you the play-by-play of what exactly went down, even to the point of understanding why it happened. You know, but today we have interest rates today that are like two and three quarters, three percent. We have, you know, we have interest rates that are no longer fixed terms. We have variable rates that will fluctuate with the marketplace. We have new guidelines for ownership. At one point, our government even allowed no money down. You could literally go and buy a house and not have a penny to your name, but you did have to have the fees to close the deal, but you could buy with no money down. So they've taken that away. You can buy with 5% down, sort of, kind of, whatever. It's really not the typical. Typical today is 10% down. And that will put you into a Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation structure. So when they qualify, when you go out and you qualify for a mortgage, they don't just look at the monies for your mortgage, but they also look at the monies that it's going to cost you and the maintenance fees. So that's why we need to look at the past. And some buildings out there, have really, really struggled with the increases on their maintenance fees. So, you know, it's fine and dandy to be impressed about new construction because as far as you're aware, the maintenance fees are being advertised as being incredibly low. And you've been out to see some resale products and you think, wow, why would I want to touch that when meanwhile I can buy new construction? The maintenance fees are incredibly low. Let me tell you there's no guarantee on that maintenance fees what you're seeing and what you may potentially get could very well be two different things there is no inflationary amounts on maintenance fees there's no restrictive amounts put on maintenance fees so whatever's being advertised is what it's supposed to be for the first year and the condo act steps in if there's a deficit in the building relating to the fact that the costs were more than what the maintenance fees gave The builder needs to step back and top it up. And I've spoken to you about this in the past shows because now all of a sudden you have yourself an increase. So when you made the decision to buy new and if you made the decision based on a low maintenance fee, you may find that that decision doesn't reflect what actually happens. We really seriously need condo owners to pay attention and learn more information because You know, the Condo Owners Association is a voice, but you know what? The bigger voice is the 1.3 million condo owners in the province of Ontario. That's the bigger voice. But we can, the COA can speak on your behalf. And when I say we is because I am the founder of the Condo Owners Association. And I started it strictly because, gave you a little bit of the experience of my background. It'll tell you, you know, watching the marketplace and seeing where it's headed, it's obvious that uh, it had to happen. We had to have an association that's going to represent condo owners. So if I go into 2005, 2005, 
you know, the price per square foot was actually still at a point where you could buy new construction. And when the deal closed, you actually knew that you had made money. 2006, I would actually say the same thing. And 2007, absolutely. Okay. But now the question is, do how much cushion is in there an increase anymore? Because I really don't see a whole lot. I'm seeing a lot of condominiums out there that are selling for $600 a square foot. And then the resale market is actually selling for less. So if you're paying $600 a square foot today and you're expecting to close in three years from now and make money, how do you do that if the resale market prices are actually lower than the new home construction prices? I think it actually should be the other way around. So when you look at value and you try to make a decision about buying between new construction and resale construction, you've got to take a look and you've actually got to project new construction for the future because you're not getting it today. All you're doing is, is you're putting down a deposit and you're saying, Hey, you know what? I like this place. I'm going to give you this amount of money so that you hold it for me. So you go off, you go build it. When you get it all completely or mostly done so that I can then move into it, occupancy, let me know. I'll give you the rest of the deposit in the terms that you've laid out to me because if I do change those terms, chances are you may not decide that you want to sell it to me. So I agree to those terms. We're all good. I'll sit back and hang out and wait. I'll pay my rent. And one day I'll get the notice from your lawyers telling me that we are going to go into what's called occupancy. So I'll leave where I'm paying my rent right now. And I actually have a good amount because, you know, the rent reviews have stopped my landlord from increasing my rent. It's awesome. Do you know that it'll go from 1.5 to 3.5%? That's it. So if, say you're renting a condominium and you're $1,500 a month. It's restrictive of how much the government restricts the owners about how much they can increase that rent. So there is restrictions in place for the landlord and the tenant situation. But there is no restrictions in place to put some kind of an inflationary clause to put more governance on the builders so that after that, just that one year, you don't have a tremendous increase on your maintenance fees for the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth year. I've got a brainstorm idea. My brainstorm idea? I really seriously think that while we're in the midst of our Condo Act review, I think that it's extremely important to put an inflationary clause on that maintenance fee so that the builder is now accountable for the second and the third year. It takes three years for a proper, sustainable financial package of the building because you don't know what's going to come available in the first and second and third year. The first year is so minimalistic. The second and the third is when you actually start to see a lot of the uh, problems that could step forward. And that's when you need the protection. And you certainly need the protection in your pocketbooks. Like, do you want to have to have a 15% increase on your maintenance fees or 20 or 25? You can't afford that. We've got so much happening right now. You know, I mean, every time we turn around, there's something else happening in the news. And we need money. We need a transit system that works. We had Metrolinx in here a few weeks back. Their proposal to provide a fantastic rail system and everything that they have uh, in line right now to move forward is amazing. I personally was down at the Metrolinx office, uh, I guess about three weeks ago. And on behalf of the Mississauga Real Estate Board, I'm their government relations chair, 
and our uh, past president, Fozzie Matter, and also Mike Ursini, who's also a director and a member of the Government Relations Committee. We were down at uh, Metrolinx, and we were able to get a really strong idea of what the whole proposal was about, the benefits, and the financial structure, I have to admit, is a bit of a concern. But there is absolutely no question that people are tired of living in their vehicles. And the congestion of traffic is unbearable. It's just ridiculously unbearable everywhere. So this province has to step forward. The Metrolinx plan has to come to fruition. And it's the plan over an extended amount of years. But what it also means is that our government is going to have to find ways to find money. And I will tell you that the land transfer tax, the proposal that's been put on the table and the municipalities are actually looking, and I believe that uh, in some degree, you know, Mississauga right now on the land transfer tax is at the forefront because our mayor seems to be extremely keen on believing that this is the answer to obtaining more finances into the city is not the answer. It is not the answer. So our provincial government now has to take a look at the Municipal Act because now they've got to make a decision as to whether or not they want to enforce land transfer tax all across the province and yet hit all the home buyers so that every single time they go and buy a house, not only do they have moving expenses, but they have all these different expenses and now they have two taxes, not just one. That is not the answer. And that will hit the condominium world. Maybe the answer is, is you've got to drive it in a different direction. But I will say that if condo owners out there have a risk on their second and third year of an increase, an extended amount of increase on their maintenance fees, and if they are new purchasers of condominiums, plus they have the land transfer tax, that is not going to help our entire economy, not our real estate economy. This has nothing to do with trying to protect real estate agents, has absolutely nothing. The sales are going to go down. Everything's going to be the way it always has. I've seen it since 1979. It's not, it's a no brainer. 33 years later, we will have movement. There's no question about that. The affordability is the issue. Do you know how many people get hired after somebody moves and they go in, they do renovations, they do this, they do that. There's, there's consumer spending. You want to buy into a property, you want to decorate it, you go over to HomeSense, you go over to the Bay, you go to Sears, you want to go, you want to have money so you can go and purchase products for your brand new place. You can't have any of that if you're going to be driven to death here with expenses when it relates to all these increases in your maintenance fees, plus you get hit with a land transfer tax, an additional municipal land transfer tax. So while we're busy talking about trying to get money, what we need to do is we need the whole policy forum of the Condo Act Review to take a very, very strong look at the maintenance fee structure and create some degree of consumer protection for condominium owners, not just after the first year, but the second and the third. A three-year platform has to be on the table. If you agree, please email info at COA, C-O-A, Ontario.com. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you, actually. The strength of the condo owners is so incredibly strong out there, but there's apathy. You've got to push away the apathy. It's your time to step forward and understand what's going on. This radio show is the shout-out to the condo owners across the province so that they will learn more. 
And if you're not a condo owner, don't worry about it. You know what? Somebody you know is. So listen to the show. This is Linda Pinizzato at the Hayes FM, the condo expert. We'll be right back. Hi, you're listening to Linda Pinizzato of the condo expert on the Hayes FM. We're giving all the condominium owners, homeowners, actually, I'd like to say we're giving the population in Ontario an information session about condominiums. So if, if you're listening to this show, please let us help you step around, look around, go to work, talk to your friends, tell them about the condo expert on the Hayes FM. This show airs every Wednesday and Friday night at 7 p.m. We have two more weeks left to do a little more explanations on condos and the Condo Act and explaining the structure and so on. The feedback we're getting until today has been fantastic. So I have to thank everybody, all the listeners out there, for your genuine support. And I welcome you to work together with us. The Condominium Act, what exactly is it? You know, I mean, I really, I'm going to go to the basics before we end the show today. And the basics is, is that, you know, every time you turn, you're going to hear the Condo Act, the Condo Act. What is the Condo Act? We get reporters that are reporting, you know, about different stories. And they're actually screening into one circumstance here, one circumstance there. What we really need the public to understand, it's not one circumstance. It's thousands of circumstances that are out there. It's just that they've triggered into one or two or three or four or five different stories up and around the province or ones that have been brought to their attention. The Condominium Act is the provincial legislation which regulates and identifies the mandates and the governing rules on the operations of condominium corporations within the province of Ontario. The ministry staff of the Minister of Consumer Services identified various types of condominiums which were permitted under the Act. Believe it or not, every single province in Canada has their own Condo Act. Now, because the Ministry of Housing is the provincial jurisdiction, the Condominium Act falls under the umbrella of the Minister of Consumer Services. So, if you were to go again to the COA website, COA Ontario website, you will find Condominium Act 1998. But below that, you will also find links to all the other Condo Acts in Canada. So that will include, you know, British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, the territories. Every single act is geared towards what's happening within that province. So, you know, we've recommended a standardized condominium document. Standardized. We've recommended that all the builders should be using the exact same document because this is getting way too confusing. Across the board, it's ridiculously confusing. And it's so confusing for the average homeowner or the average public, member of the public. So, you know, how will you possibly know the difference between this building and that building and that building and that building if everybody has something different? So if you're standardizing a document and then you're just adding different pages for the specifics of that particular building over and above the standardized you have a lot less reading and you certainly have a lot less remembering to do of what's going on. And you have the much stronger ability of understanding what's going on. But the Condominium Act is very confusing and it will underline 
registration and creation, corporation guidelines, directors and officers. You know, way back when, when the building was brand new and the new board came on, that's called a turnover meeting, which most people don't know that terminology, but it's also called a transfer of control by the declarant, which is the builder. So you have auditor, financial statement, sales and lease. You know, the condo expert, this show, when given the wonderful opportunity to bring the condo expert out to the listeners and out to the general public, this was a tremendous opportunity. And the fact that the Hayes FM stepped forward and understood and recognized the importance of this show is absolutely fantastic. So shout out, kudos to the Hayes FM, because honestly, as the first radio show here in Mississauga, you're doing a fantastic job. So what we need is we need our listeners. You know, in Mississauga alone, we have what? I think it's now about over 800,000. I don't know. I mean, um, I remember back in 1979, we had about 150,000 people lived in Mississauga. I'm pretty sure we're over the 800,000 nowadays. But, you know, with the amount of people that are out there, you know, that could potentially be listening to this show every Wednesday and Friday night, can you just imagine the next time you're sitting at work and you're, you have break or you have lunch and someone starts talking about condominiums and you have all this information, they're going to actually think that you're a real estate agent on the side. No, not really. <laughs> they're going to know that you've obviously done a lot of research and you're very well informed. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing, actually. So with condominiums, you know, it is, you know, one thing that we, I want to make sure that everyone always understands when they're listening to my show is that, you know, this is about information awareness. I think condominiums are a fantastic way to start home ownership and even long-term if that's what your lifestyle caters to. I think affordability in housing and being a part owner of a product, there's no question. It's your own home. It's uh, something you can be proud of, you can work towards, and you can certainly, as time moves on, bring down your mortgages. And eventually you can own, you can completely 100% own your property. And even if you are paying maintenance fees, you don't sweat it because, you know, it doesn't matter what you own. You're still going to have to pay your fees. You still got your hydro. You still got your gas. You still got your water, your utilities. You still got your upkeep. You still, you know, these are things that you cannot walk away from. So the only difference is, is life makes it easier for you because someone else is doing the books. And that's a good thing. If you want easy living, it's a great thing. But that doesn't mean that you turn your back and you walk away and say, well, you know, it's okay. I own my own business. Okay, I know everything that's going on. I'm going to bring someone in to do my books and I'm just going to walk away and say, yeah, that's fine. Whatever you do is fine with me. I'm not going to do that. No one is going to do that. But it is being done. And that's where the problem is. The accountability and the governance is the problem. So condominiums are a great source of real estate. They're fabulous. But all we need to do is we need to tweak it and get it right. And the only way we're going to do that is by recognizing the problems, being aware of them, and doing something about them, and demanding change. But you can't demand change until you you know what it is that needs to be changed. And that's the reason why transparency is important. You know, I was the uh, president of a board of directors for five years in a building in downtown Toronto. And you talk about shock. You talk about major shock. You know, it's funny. I worked so hard. As a matter of fact, I'm still the president of another condo, have been for over 12 years. But this one particular building, 
you know, on a personal level, just because I do know a lot about condominiums and the structure and building contacts and all this type of thing, I was able to help this association, this corporation, to save over $300,000 in warranty issues. The sad part is we had two people in the building that decided that they were going to create nothing but lies and deceit. The Condo Act, the way it's written today, opened up the door for these people, vindictive people, to move forward and turn the whole building upside down. So what they did behind all the boards back, except for one board member, we had one board member and his name was Sean. And this one board member was on side with these two other people. And unfortunately, in even the two other people, one happens to be a lawyer. How sad is that? So the three of them manipulated, connived, created all sorts of lies and deceit through the entire building. And at the end of the day, they actually won. So I can't go into the details, but the, not at this time because we're running out of time. But the reason I'm even making the overview comment is, is that, you know, when people go to that extent and they do that type of thing and someone knocks on your door and you live in a condominium and you're getting these kind of crazy nonsense comments about someone who's been on board for five years and your building is doing wonderful. Your maintenance fees are low. The building is being managed beautifully. Everything is wonderful. You've got to stop and try and think, why is someone doing this? The sad part is 30 people in that building did not do that. And they signed a a petition that requisitioned a meeting. And the, the petition that was written up had a series of lies. Now we have the human rights codes. And yes, you as a condo owner have the ability to exercise your right and submit a claim in the human rights. And now I understand that it's wonderful. It's stepped one step forward because they will actually appoint a lawyer to you. But you know, the problem though is, is that you do have to stop your natural way of living and do this. Then you've got to challenge these same deceitful people that have just maneuvered their way onto the board in the building that you live in and that you own in, and you're going to have to challenge them. So are you going to do that? So the problem is, is that all of a sudden fear steps into the play. Now in this situation that I was caught in, okay, I'm not done with it. It's just that my mission right now is to put COA Ontario out on the map and make sure that there is governance and that there is a condo act in the whole McGinty Act, uh, condo act review that's going to help the condo owners. That's what my mission has been since I created this entire thing since April of 2009 and launched in March of 2010. The goings on within one building and the sad part about it is, is the things that are happening in that building today are awful. But the point of the matter is whatever's going on in that one building today is a small piece considering the whole wealth of what's happening out there with condominiums and the importance of this review right now. The good thing is, is that going back to that book, you learn from the past. If these three people hadn't have done what they did, I wouldn't have another part of the puzzle of what needs to be fixed. So, you know, a lot of times I think of people's personal experiences sometimes drive motivation to some degree. And that's no matter what it is out there. I mean, I think of Terry Fox and the wonderful challenge and what he did was just outstanding and amazing. And how many people has it helped over the years? 
It's absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, this is where I actually see the Condo Owners Association. I see the impact that it can make for condo owners because the apathy is just so easy to have. It really seriously is. And I totally understand why. I got an email today from a woman that uh, is having a serious, serious problem out in the Oakville, Burlington area. And the email has to be over 10 pages long. And this is not, this is not something new. This is like ongoing. And this is all volunteer. Everything is volunteer based. Thousands of volunteer hours to try to help you. So all I can say is, is that we're winding down on a show. I'm so happy that you were able to join us. I really think that, you know, taking a look at condominiums, if there's anything out there that you find of interest, throw through an email. Better yet, blog. (laughs) Blogs are great. You know, blog it. Then everyone can see the comments. I think it's really important. Transparency. I mean, we use Facebook. Everybody out there, the majority of people out there use Facebook. And in Facebook, you know, if you have a concern about something, you throw it out there. You do a shout out. How many times, stop long enough now, how many times have you used Facebook to shout out something? Something you've experienced, something you've seen, something that you don't like, something that you do like, something that your friends have done. How many times have you used it? So what you're doing is, is you are shouting out. You're shouting out, but internally to your friends. Take it one step further. Do a shout out. Get on blog on the COA site, the Condo Owners Association site. Let's do a big shout out. Or better yet, do tweets. Bring in the tweets. There's a tweet for so many different cities. There's tweets for uh, Waterloo, Hamilton, Mississauga, Burlington, Oakville, Brampton, Oshawa, Barrie. I think there's like 27 different cities that are under the Twitters. So let us hear from you on the tweets. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, today, if you've listened to the show today, what have you learned? You've now learned a little bit more about the structure of condominiums and things. You've actually learned the history from 1979 moving forward and where we are to some degree. Over one half of all new construction today is condominiums. So close your eyes. We reflected on the past. We looked at the present. Close your eyes. Think about the future. Work with COA. Please continue to listen to The Condo Expert. This is Linda Pinizzato at The Hayes FM. Thank you so much for joining, and we'll talk to you again. Take care.